Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Hi, I'm Ariana Maddox. Whether I'm on TV or Broadway, I live by two rules. Follow your dreams and always wear great shoes. That's why I love DSW. Must have shoes that pair well with whatever you've dreamed up for your life. Seriously, DSW has all the shoes you need for everything from errand days to date nights. And they're from top brands at prices you can totally brag to all your friends about. That's why I've partnered with DSW to create a collection of shoes I know you'll love. Because let's be real, whether I'm dancing on TV, teaching you how to make the perfect cocktail in my best-selling book or starting a whole new venture it's all about the shoes find the shoes to do all the amazing things you do in my new collection at your dsw store or dsw.com in this week's podcast i have a special guest from callaway golf welcome to the golf central podcast presented by callaway golf Siwoo Kim's victory at the American Express is the second victory for Team Callaway in as many weeks after Kevin Na's win last week in Hawaii. It's the first victory for our new Epic Speed Driver, and it's another win for our Chrome Soft X Golf Ball. It's also the second win in a row for Odyssey Toulon Madison putters on the PGA Tour. Kim led the field in strokes gained tee to green, didn't make a single bogey in three rounds on the stadium course, and ranked 11th in total driving. Learn more about the winning clubs callawaygolf.com. Welcome, Jeff Newbarth, executive producer of Callaway Media Productions, and I'm going to lift the veil here and let people behind the screens know I actually worked for you for a prolonged period of time at, at Golf Channel before you moved so out you, west. You, you worked with me. I said for you. I think I, I think I did it right. I think for you right, is correct. I'm, I'm going to stand with, with, with what I said, but it's a pleasure to be here, and look, it's awesome to have you out here in beautiful Southern California. I mean, this day could be exactly why everyone lives in San Diego. Uh, always sunny in San Diego. 75 and sunny, isn't that, that, wow. that what they say? How about this? You know, it's funny. I watch a lot of the Padres games, and they always do the weather report. And I'm like, why do you guys bother What's to even do that? It's like, you know, 65 and sunny at first pitch every single day. But why don't you tell people today? Because a lot of people give us a hard time in San Diego about our weather. And uh, today we fight back. It's Monday, not to date the podcast, but I drove over from Palm Springs, which is also supposed to have perfect weather. Golf in so a dome. Heard. So right? I've heard. Yeah. So we did the podcast last Monday and it was raining when I was talking to Ryan Labner from Palm Springs. And as I drove over the mountains, I drove through snow. Insane, right? Yes. See, everyone thinks California and not has enjoyable. perfect weather. No, no, there's nothing enjoyable about this. It's it's blowing about 40 out there. Yes. It's 50 degrees. Uh, they actually closed uh, Tory. Here, I can break some news for you. They closed Tory Pines this morning for practice rounds um, because news. you know there, there's danger. Obviously, you have television equipment up there, and you have large trees. And and this wind was howling. Uh, well, we had plans. I had hoped to play golf. Yes, I'm very happy we did. Uh, you know what? It, it was uh, yes. We get what we deserve. I do want to move on to the golf. Uh, and at Callaway Golf has had a very good run, back-to-back weeks, as I just uh, said, with Kevin Na and last week in Siwoo Kim. As good as that is for you, and what I really wanted to open this with, and, and not to bore people, but it's been a good, let's say, year and a half for Callaway Golf, which is kind of amazing when you look at what everything we've been through over the last year. Can you just give us an idea of why you think 
Golf, specifically the equipment manufacturers, have fared so well in the current environment. Yeah, I think first point, if you're trying not to bore the audience, you pick the wrong guest. But um, to answer your question, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to speak for the rest of the country. I, I've traveled a little bit since this pandemic, um, you know, kind of hit us. But here in California, as you've, you've seen, we're, we're pretty restricted. Um, you know, we, we have, you know, my, my stepdaughter can't go to high school in person. Um, you know, we can't go to restaurants, even for outdoor dining. We can do takeout, uh, and that's it. And if you could think about all the other activities that are eliminated, the one that hasn't been eliminated and never really was here was golf. And, I mean, I remember as soon as the, the, the pandemic hit, our, our golf club did close. And then as soon as it could open, um, the person who played five rounds a year started playing 15 to 20. The person who played weekly started playing twice a week. Uh, I have some friends who play four and five times a week because they literally, it's the only time they can leave their house to do something. And you can do it safely. I think that's been pretty well proven. Um, you, you can get some semblance of normalcy by being out on the golf course. And, and then I think there's this other thing that, that's happened with a lot of people where they kind of forgot why they love this game. And this sort of has reminded them of that. And from an equipment company standpoint, look, people were just buying anything they can get, not just Callaway stuff, I mean, across the board. Um, people were, were you know, going into stores and saying, I have 15 or 20-year-old clubs because that's the last time I, I cared about this game. Give me anything. And they were buying it. Um, where I think it's going to be really interesting is once things get better, and let's hope they do soon, how does that sustain itself? And, and I do think we have a lot of people who came to this game who will stay with it because I think they're reminded of why this is, is such a great sport, why we love playing. I mean, honestly, even if we could play today, I probably wouldn't with this wind. No, no. But, but it kind of would be fun, wouldn't it, to go out there and try to hit some shots, and, and, and the downwind holes would be really fun. Uh, my guess is, and you lived in Florida, so you can attend to this. Like, I don't play golf in Florida if it's below 60 degrees. Because we have 300 good days. Right. So there's really right. no reason to. I would think that the same rule yeah, applies yeah, here. I, yes, I, I get do. what you're saying. I think they do. But I think, you know, uh, you, you'll, you'd be surprised at, I mean, you know, just to give you the example, at, at my golf course where I play, you know, at 4 o'clock, 25 minutes, 30 minutes before it's going to get dark, someone's on the first tee hitting a golf ball. And they're like, I'm going to get two holes in. And I never saw that before. And I think that's what's exciting. And I really think, hopefully, we've gotten a whole group of folks who, who are now back in the game. Hopefully, they'll stay with us. Oh, that was my follow-up question, is how do you leverage the success? You yeah, know, I, I think you just, you just hopefully, people are finding the enjoyment that, that I know I find every time I get out there and play. Um, you know, especially here, where you're really supposed to do stuff just with your household. So really, if, if you truly follow all the rules and regulations, you really should only be playing golf with your family or people who live in, in, in your house with you. Um, that's really good quality time. That, that maybe, you know, you're not in front of screens, you're not in front of devices, you're not being distracted and pulled in different directions. You can really do it as a family and kind of bond. And I think that's something in golf that maybe we haven't seen as much lately. And I think it's something that's exciting, and I think that'll kind of sustain things. Uh, I think the other thing that'll help with the sustainability is I think that people are finding it a little more enjoyable than they did because think about all the other crap going on in the world, right? And I don't think this is the podcast to get into that, but I think everyone knows what we're talking about with, with pandemic and with, with other stuff. Golf's an escape, and, and it's always been escapism in my head, but it's truly escapism now. And to be able to do that, um, even, you know, some of the Hawaii tournaments, right? To be able to watch, you know, beautiful golf in Hawaii where, where you know, people are sitting in, in the Northeast kind of stuck and, and with crappy weather, that's always been escapism. But now you can kind of do it yourself, and I think that that's, that's really going to pick up. I think when travel comes back, golf travel will go hand in hand with it. 
Now, I think the saying is that a good stock market doesn't necessarily mean a good economy because the stock market's not the economy. A lot of ways I think you could make the argument that the PGA Tour is really not golf. We all love to sit down and watch it. It's what I do for a living. You're very much involved with the PGA Tour as well. Do you see a correlation, though, between the success that the PGA Tour has had, and again, I'm speaking over the last 12 months and everything that we've done, and what we've seen in, in the game, which is a growth spurt that we probably couldn't have predicted? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's it's you can't overlook the importance of the PGA Tour. Just look at the pyramid of influence. You know, they're they're at the top, along with the LPGA Tour, along with uh, you know European Tour, um, but really professional golfers. I mean, what Jessica Corda did, um, you know, yesterday that was as good as any shot that I saw. Uh, you know, her putt. Uh, you know, if, if we had the debate on uh, on on Golf Central tonight, which putt was better, uh, Jessica Corda's putt or Siwoo Kim's putt? You know. That'd be a pretty fun debate. And I don't think either of us lose. I don't think either, either of us win because they're both outstanding. So I think good professional golf across all tours helps. But I really think this is different. I, I, I kind of feel like the golfer that is playing a lot of this, this participation golf doesn't even watch pro golf, doesn't even care about pro golf, doesn't care what clothing that the players are wearing on tour, doesn't care about the latest and greatest, uh, you know, trend in the game and in terms of instruction or, you know, whatever someone on tour is doing to, to get the edge. I think it's strictly participatory because of circumstance. And I think that golf was the at the right place at the right time. Because, look, you could safely play tennis. You could safely play pickleball. There's other sports you can do. But yet golf is the one that's that, that's growing so much. No, and I, I see where you're going with that. And, and just to sort of point this out, I do appreciate Callaway giving me a warm place to stay while it's very, very cold and windy outside. But that's actually not why I came. I came because I wanted to include you in the conversation. Because for those who don't know, you've been involved with the game for a very long time. And you've been involved with some very cool projects. The one I wanted to touch on was the match, the yeah. multiple matches. Um, and I wanted to start with the idea of we we all see Phil on TV. And we, we hear that... You know, when he's mic'd up, we, we saw what you did with the golf cart. It was all brilliant TV. We all enjoyed it. Is he the same way when the cameras are off? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't think he'll mind me saying, but one of the most fun days of match three, um, and I'm hoping we're not going to talk about match one because I'm still trying to get over it, but uh, we can talk all about match two and match three as long as you want. But <laughs> ma match three, one of, the, one of my favorite days was he and Charles played a practice round. And he kind of said to me, um, and this is the, the, the genius of Phil, I said, hey, I, I need to get you on the first tee in Charles. I need to do something to put out on social just like to get some buzz going because, you know, going into it, we didn't have, like, like if you remember match match one, we had the NBA season and we basically used Inside the NBA, which does so well on Turner to kind of help promote it. And then match two, we were the, the first, I would say, sporting event that everything was done on site. There wasn't a, a remote production like, you know, the week before at Seminole, uh, which was still an excellent project, obviously. But, you know, they had a lot more limitations. We had more of a true broadcast. We were like one of the first broadcasts. And again, we had those those four stars you know, of, you know, just top of the top. I mean, look how good Brady's doing. He, he's pretty good at that football thing, too. Um, but but match three. So I said to Phil, I need to do something. He just looks at me and goes, I got it. And he takes a three wood and he puts it down and he just roasts one. It has a GC quad next to it. Turns off the data function. Tells Charles, all I want you to do is hit this golf ball. I'll do the rest. And so Phil just starts off and goes, hey, everybody, you know, first practice round, me and my partner, we're going to shock the world. Everyone thinks he's, uh, you know, not a good golfer. But let me tell you something. The numbers don't lie, do they? And Charles hits one, and it went probably, I don't know, 45 yards and maybe like 50 yards to the right, hits a couple cactus, and we never saw the ball again. And Phil picks it up and goes, look at the ball speed. 
Look at the carry. That went like 310. Look at the spin rate. You're going to shock the world and just walks off. And he just had that in him with one little prompt. And that's where I love working with Phil. Um, but yeah, he's like that the entire time, the entire process. I mean, the best part of the match that you guys don't get to see is the morning meeting. Um, where, where all the competitors, some folks from, from TV, uh, myself, um, my director, Steve Bime, who, who anything you say complimentary about the show, it's a true partnership between, between Steve and a couple other folks, but Steve for sure. And, and some of the, the other representatives of, of both, you know, the, the, the organizations, cause you know, as you can imagine, you get people from this group and that group, the PGA tour, the rules officials. So the meeting just starts off and right off the bat, um, all four players ordered a bunch of breakfast. And as soon as the, the the staff brings in with like literally five trays of food or five things of food, Peyton Manning without Miss B goes, that's all for this guy and points right to Charles. And it was just on. <laughs> and it just kind of got the day going. And and that's what makes it great, uh, you know, is just that the players are comfortable with us and they've bought into it and they kind of let their guard down. When you look at the game, and I think we both can appreciate the game, we both play, we've both been around PGA Tour players for a long time, and it's just not a slogan. These guys are very, very good. However... From your perspective, specifically what you do now, and it, this being a personality-driven business, I, I thought it was fun, and I, I saw this tweet. I, I don't remember who did it, but with Tiger just going through his fifth back surgery, someone has to step into the void, and someone tweeted that paging Dr. DeChambeau. Can you envision, and you've been through this for a long time, we both have. You what, make me feel old. Uh, no, no. Actually, I think I'm older than you if we're, we're just keeping track. That but it's true. Yeah. So, but can you envision some, uh, a line down the road where someone will have to step in? I don't, I've always contended that he, we won't be able to replace him. It'll have to be yeah. by committee. But are there personalities in the game right now that could do it and continue to drive the game? I mean, I think, I think it has to. I think, you know, you just have to, you know, we, a lot of us spent a lot of the summer watching the last dance. Um, and, you know, I remember when, when Michael left the first time, and then really Michael left old. the second time. Um, yeah, it was about this guy, Michael Jordan. He played basketball, started at the University of North Carolina, then went to Chicago. And, um, but no, I mean, when, when Michael left, I don't think anyone's replaced Michael. But I'll tell you what, the NBA is pretty darn compelling with LeBron and, uh, you know, tons of other stars that have stepped up and given us moments, whether it's the Warriors team with, you know, we got Steph Curry right there, his jersey in here. Um, you know, Kevin Durant and, and Draymond, that team was fun. You know, we're, it, it just becomes different. And I think what you have to be careful of is you can't just compare it to, well, you know, if we spent every, you know, moment analyzing everyone winning a major and be like, well, Tiger would have done it this way in 1997. Uh, we we got to get off our, get off our lawn. Right. And, and we've <laughs> got to be able to embrace who these new personalities are. And, you know, there's so many of them that I'm excited to see, um, you know, and, and what I love about it is that the group now is not scared of Tiger. And, and the group now, though, still loves nothing more than competing with Tiger. And I think that's what's kind of cool for the game. And at some point when Tiger's not able to compete much and it becomes kind of more ceremonial, um, you know, I think it'll be different. I think one that kind of sticks in my mind was, uh, you know, Pete Sampras at the end in tennis. And, you know, Pete Sampras was, was his greatness was so unappreciated. And, you know, it's kind of funny because things are coming full circle because I don't know if you know, but USA Network uh, is about to get back in the sports game. And it's funny because I was working with USA in 2003 when they got out of the sports game. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, someone said to me, and I'll never forget it, it was in a feature, um, that 
Pete Sampras was kind of like Richie Cunningham, right? You didn't appreciate what you had, but there'd be one day a little bit later when Pete would be older and it would be a night match at, 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 in Flushing Meadows and he would summon that greatness from 96, 97, 98. And you'd realize like, man, I never appreciated this guy. I think Tiger's going to still give us a couple more of those moments. I truly do. But I think these other pros are going to step into that void and they may not do it as often as he did and they certainly won't do it as consistent. But I think we're going to get these moments where we're going to be like, wow, that was, that was pretty amazing. And, it, and it's different than what Tiger did, but it's still going to be equally as impressive. And we've gone over this the last few years. It's the common question that comes up on TV shows and in podcasts. It's younger players are better prepared now when they get to the PGA Tour. For sure, for sure. succeed, and you can go down the list. You have yeah. Morikawa, you have Wolf, you have Hovland. All of these young players experience almost immediate success. But do you see that from a personality point of view? When they get yeah, out of college, absolutely. are they ready to be spokespersons? A absolutely. And I think, you know, you see it in, 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 you know, look, I'm lucky enough that I get to work with this great marketing team here at Callaway. And we work with our tour pros. And when we do commercials and stuff, uh, we get extra time with them to do, you know, kind of just content that we want to do. And these guys are so well-adjusted and so well-versed about it. And I'm not saying that that Tiger wasn't when, when he turned pro. Um, but it seems like it comes easier. But I think that's just a product of social media because these guys have kind of been their own brands even while they're in college. And they've been part of a team that has a branding as well where I, I think that, you know, these phones that it sometimes would seem to be so disruptive to, you know, kind of the way that me and you grew up and, and things that we did differently are actually helpful in that regard where when you put someone – on camera and ask them to do something, um, they're comfortable with it because everyone's on camera all the time. And it's something they've been dealing with yeah, in college. Yeah, I for mean, sure. You've like been dealing with it in college. Yeah, I mean, you know, Matthew Wolf being able to, you know, be part of uh, the great series that you guys did on Golf Channel, you know, Driven, uh, that, that showed him what it was like to have cameras in your face all the time. And guess what? That helps prepare him. And, you know, the fact that college golf, again, on Golf Channel, um, is, is so well covered. I mean, you know, we have events on this week today. Um, and all year long, it, it just gets these guys used to it, where you used to kind of have to figure it out. I also think that that the PGA Tour has, has figured it out a little bit in terms of, of how you go from college to a corn ferry to a PGA Tour. And look, they had a little hesitation, obviously, last year because no one moved up on tours and stuff. But, but you're going to have players. One of the guys, can, can I briefly talk about Akshay Batia? Wait. So, I mean, Akshay's, you know, he's not even 19 yet. He'll be 19 next week, so everyone make sure. And I don't believe he weighs... Birthday. I'm going to go in at 115. Yeah, you know what? Um, you're, you're wrong. Uh, it, it's heavier than you think, but not by much. <laughs> but uh, I will say he's pound for pound the longest player on the planet. He can hit. Because he, 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 yeah. But we spent some time with him last week, and he's so comfortable around cameras and, you know, equipment photography and podcasting and stuff. And he's 18 years old. And um, I, I just think that, that the game is in good hands knowing we have people – you know, like that, because think about this, you know, coming full circle, when you first started doing on-camera work for Golf Channel, oh no, you, you weren't that comfortable with it. Says the man who was there with me, yes, no, I was not yeah, uncomfortable. And, and part of my job was to make you more uncomfortable, and I enjoyed those moments, <laughs> and, and sometimes we went a little too far, but we, we, we only caught ourselves in really big trouble one time, and I tried to replicate it today, and you glossed right through it, which ticked me off, yeah, but keep moving. anyway, um, you know, part of that is, is just a learning curve and reps. And these guys are getting those reps well before the spotlight's on them. And I think that's awesome. And someone like Akshay, who got to play a practice round with Phil, I mean, think about what it would have been like for you, seven or eight or nine, I guess it's been almost 10 years, uh, of, of when you were first starting to be on TV, being able to have someone, you know, at that point, like a Rosa Ford, who was, who was you know, the king of the game at that point, yes. who would have taken you under his wing and said, hey, Rex, let's go play a practice round together. And then next thing you know, he's telling you what you did. That's what happened last week with, with Akshay and Phil on on you know on Tuesday 
And Phil does that a lot. Phil does that a lot, but he seems to embrace these players that role. benefit from that. What you know, Phil knows it, but these players benefit from that. And to get a sounding board for for four hours to ask Phil to 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 anything you want in an in an environment that's completely safe, that's awesome, and that's going to only help these players get better. Uh, we did gloss over one thing before I move on to the the next topic and the match. Yeah, uh, when is the next match? Coming soon. Okay. I will tell you. And who is it going to be? You're not going to tell, tell me that either. But as a no, journalist, I'm, I'm going to, tell to you, ask but, the question. But, but you should ask the question. But uh, a couple things have happened in the last couple of days that have got me very excited for for a potential match four. Um, and and look, I think you know if if I get my way and the team gets their way, I think we'll have multiple ones this year. And uh, look, you know, we'll just have to see. But it, it's it's certainly I can tell you one of the great things about my job is I get to do this full time job at Callaway, which I love and get to work with like this amazing team. And then they're kind enough to let me go do a couple one-offs during the year uh, with these matches, which, which kind of puts me back in a TV truck. And as you know, there's, there's nothing that beats the rush of live TV. And, and I, I love doing both. And, and it's like picking between your favorite kid, which one you like better. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's the Callaway job, but that being said, the match is such a great challenge for me because look, we got beat up pretty good. The first one you were there, um, you, you were with me the night after, uh, yes. right after. And I wasn't exactly in the greatest of moods cause we knew what we did and what we didn't do. And unlike most opportunities in live TV, you get to do one a couple days later. We had to wait like a long time to do the next game. So, uh, as you can imagine, and we were pretty amped up, um, before that, that, that one at medalist. And we were lucky that, uh, kind of everything came together. You have gone corporate really well. I mean, you, you completely danced around that. I mean, that's that's good stuff right there. You uh, usually you know don't what? see that level of corporate from someone who's this young in their corporate career. Yeah, it's uh, I, have, I have good leadership that uh, that has that has brought me. You know, we take it one press release at a time, right? There you go. Yeah, is that the only one you have? Or are you done? With I the, mean, I could probably I could probably do a few more, but right. I think no one's no one's cares about them. It's a question I get a, a lot, and it's and I, I'm sure Lab and I have talked about it on this podcast. Everything we've been through, let's say the last seven months, without crowds, or virtually more or less without crowds, we're starting to get. Seems like we're inching closer to allowing yeah. fans, some level of fans, back on the golf course. But how does that impact players? And I've tried to answer it certain ways, and certainly I've spoken to enough players. You kind of have a different perspective on it, and you've spent a lot of time talking to players as well. Yeah, um, you know, the first thing was match two actually benefited from no crowds. Because what we realized in match one was there was so much time that Phil and Tiger were talking to someone they saw in the crowd or someone that they knew or someone, you know, because it was such an intimate gathering, only five, 600 people, mm. and they pretty much knew half those people. So what, what do you want in those made-for-TV spectacles? You want them to talk to each other. So when you have no one else out there, they got to talk to each other. Um, but it's interesting, you know, Henrik Stenson um, kind of brought up the point that if you go to the golf course for four hours now before there was really any any crowds out there or patrons in certain places, um, you, you could just do your work and you could be a little more efficient with your time. Whereas, you know, when you're, you know, think about like at the players where, where everything kind of stopped last year, but, but, you know, we were both there for those practice round days. How many people are at the players for a practice round? Uh, normally it would be thousands. Yeah, so that, that's you, the last so you, time I saw fans. Yeah, so that so makes you, me nostalgic when you right, bring that so up. You, you come off the ninth hole there and if you're going to go to 10, you got to walk through about a billion fans and, the majority of the players, especially in practice rounds, they're going to stop and talk and sign and, and, and be humans, which is awesome. That's what makes golf great. But that takes time. And now I think their, their, their efficiency is a little bit better. So I've heard that from some of them. Um, but I definitely have heard enough that players kind of say it helped them focus a lot more than they realized. 
whether it's framing certain holes, whether it's like Hawaii, you know, having a grandstand. So they have to, the last minute, put up like an out of bounds, you know, local rule where you can't bomb it to a place where there would have been a grandstand to block your shot into the green. But just that, that echo or that roar letting you know how you did. Um, I think it's just awkward. Like even yesterday, you know, when, when, when Siwoo Kim makes that putt and, 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 you know, there were a lot less fans, I believe in Palm Springs, I didn't see numbers or a lot less people who were around the 17th green than were around in Florida. Uh, you know, when, when Jessica Corda made her putt at the diamond, um, you know, Jessica Corda seemed more normal. Like there was a little bit of a buzz there. You heard something from the crowd where like Siwoo Kim literally makes this putt that's going to win him a tour event. And it's like me and you playing around, a, you know, you guys playing for the Red Solo Cup where like like there's no there's no crowd out there. Uh, I brought this up the other day and it's, it's worth mentioning that in consecutive days, I wrote stories about coming to California and you right. live here. So I don't have to remind you of, of how difficult the, the coronavirus and the pandemic is hitting this particular state. And yeah. there are a lot of rules and the tour is doubling down as they should, making sure everyone's following the protocols. The very next day I wrote about fans at Bay Hill and the grandstands mm-hmm. that are going up at TPC Sawgrass getting ready for the players. So it seems to me there's a bit of a disconnect between the two states. Apparently yeah. Florida has won and California lost. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I don't know if it's won or lost. I think it's just how how everyone's handling it. And I think, look, you know, everyone has to respect what's going on in the municipalities. Um, you know, out here, the, the the fact is that, you know, hospital beds are, are a little shorter to, to come by than they need to be. And that's, so, that's scary. So, I'm not so making until, light of that in, in, until that that's rectified, they're, they're just... The policies, we're just not going to do this stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the farmers for years didn't have grandstands anyway. Anyone can get into it. They said corporate hospitality. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, come the U.S. Open. I, I think that's the one for me when when Tory Pines is is going to host the U.S. Open. Um, I, I really hope that, that as someone who lives a stone's throw from the golf course, um, you know, that, that we'd be able to go. We'd be able to go support it because – it is such a great market for pro golf, uh, and and everyone loved going to the event, and and we kind of got it taken away from us right now. Well, in 08, I would argue that even though I mean the show that that Rocco and Tiger put on is is obviously one for the ages, and it made it an instant classic. But I would argue outside of a Ryder Cup, I have never experienced fans yeah. like that. Well, the other thing people don't get is that which when, made the event in my yeah mind. yeah. But but when the tour comes to the West Coast, the networks still want the six o'clock Eastern finish. So we're done at three o'clock. So we're playing a lot of times threesomes, split tees, playing early. It's not the same. When the major comes here, they want to play till 10 o'clock at night on the East mm-hmm. Coast. So we can play till, you know, in June, it's obviously a lot lighter, a lot longer than uh, than February. So that was one of the smarter things I've ever said, right? Um, but, you know, we can play till seven o'clock at night, you know, and and get people, they get a long day and, and they're getting a little rowdier. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a very different feel than what you get it on, on a West coast, you know, kind of run uh, regular year tour event. And I think when, when I asked you about the crowds, maybe I should have been more specific, like when it comes to, to Phil, because mm-hmm. we all know how Phil just feeds off the crowd. Yeah, he, he needs has, it. I, I think, it. I think it's some guys do need yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely noticeable and I think he needs it. He loves it. He misses it. Um, you know, we saw it the first week at colonial when guys would hit good shots and they would wave to no one, you know, it's just, it's part of the game. And, and that's something that I, I look forward to coming back. We're in a proper studio here at Callaway Golf, and I don't know what to do with my hands. I feel like Ricky Bobby. Oh, you could. You, you can kind of move and around. And I'm actually I'm just... sitting at your desk, which makes it even well, less Well, it's a desk I've occasionally sat at. But, you know, we, we do lots of, you know, look, one of the fun things about this place is, is we kind of made a full-on commitment to content. 
Um, and we do podcasts from here. We do video content from here. We, we posted some videos up today that have gotten a little traction on, on, on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. But that's what makes it fun is we can create content and we can move quickly from thing to thing. And that's by having it internally allows us to do it. And one of the great things about partnering with the Golf Channel this year, uh, you know, which we're super excited to, to be the official equipment partner uh, of Golf Central, is you know, we're putting on certain uh, guests from here using, you know, live view, which means nothing to your viewers, but it, it's a it's a tried and true technology that NBC uh, has used in Olympics for, for years uh, that works, and we have that same ability here. So later this week, you're going to get to hear uh, our CEO here, uh, Chip Brewer, is going to join Golf Central. Because, look, this, I'm hoping you're going to get to it. This is PGA Show Week. This is a week we normally hang out together. It is. And and it's it's a very different PGA Show Week. So And walk um, up and walk 18,000 miles up and down the convention center. Yeah, you do that. I never leave our booth. I, I never leave our booth. Um, and then everyone who comes to find me, I just say, oh, no, you didn't mean me. You mean Jeff Newton. And I said, everyone to poor Jeff Newton. It's always one of my favorite <laughs> things you do the with PGA me. show. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Do that to everybody. But, you know, this is a different week. And uh, but, but having a place you can do content has proven to be super valuable during this pandemic because we've been able to do our own stuff in-house safely. And, and have been able to, to still create as much content as we can, uh, given the circumstances. All right. Finally, I'm going to spin this forward. And you do know golf, so Torrey Pines, this is yeah. your home field. Uh, when you look at this field, which mm-hmm. always seems like this is sort of the break, you know, this is yeah. where you don't want to say the tour the season well, starts uh, you, here. L- let's be honest. There's no football this weekend. Me and you are both football fans. Yes. And as great as the golf was yesterday, my primary viewing device was Fair on enough. football still. But this is the first weekend because no pro ball. There's no football. Golf is front and center. Uh, so I'm going to do this quick. I'm going to ask just one sentence thoughts on uh, as we get towards this, because for a lot of guys, this is their start to their season. Rory, yeah. expectations. Uh, expectations are how will he handle the travel coming here, and will he be uh, excited to play the golf course? Because okay. it's a hard golf course. It, it is. It is. And it looks like if it's like anything like today, it's going to be even harder. John yeah. Rahm. Um, the guy who I think will be victorious on Sunday. You're not going to go any deeper than that. You well, were just talking with the guy. You yeah, could have, I was. You could have given I, us a little bit more than that. I was. All I'm saying is, is I'm going to stand by that statement. I do have one thing. When you're done with these quick takes, I have one big picture Tory Pines thing that I think overrides the individual things. But no, Rom, I'm I'm excited to see him play. I mean, he historically plays well here, and there's no reason to think that's going to change. All right, then I'll, I'll let you go on this last one, only because I wrote this yesterday, and yeah, I'm yeah. fascinated by this because Tony yeah. Finau is is one of my tr- favorite people on yeah. the PGA Tour. And, yeah. And watching him come so close, and it's easy for those who I, I get the idea of someone sitting at home saying, "Well, he can't close," or or how. Yeah, but only one guy wins. Only one guy wins. If you're if you're this, this is not the kind of sport where you can base your success on on wins and losses because you're not going to make it long in this sport. And I truly believe. And look, talking with Boyd Summer Hayes, his swing coach. I know that he burns harder than, than what he lets on to. I know that he is not happy with the idea that he's only won once on the PGA Tour. That being said, I'm not quite sure what he could have done yesterday in Palm Springs. No, no. I mean, the the one thing is, and you'd have to, so uh, to make a basketball analogy, remember for a while everyone said LeBron wasn't a good closer? But if you actually went back and watched the tape, and Jeff Van Gundy made us do this one time, we pulled every shot from 10 seconds or left in a game where the shot could have either taken the lead, tied, or extended the lead to, I think, three. And when you actually went through the data, and I, I can't wait to hear Brandel do this later because I'm sure he will, the numbers really weren't that LeBron wasn't a closer. It was just that he would hit a shot and then Dirk would go down and hit another shot. So so I want to know how many of these rounds where Finau has been in there where he's had double, triple, or more at some point during the round that's really derailed him or has he just played good golf and somebody's just played excellent, better golf. And you had two somebodies. 
do that yeah. yesterday. I mean, oh, definitely, Patrick definitely. Patrick can't like twenty birdies over the weekend, yeah. final round sixty-one. Yeah, amazing, I mean, and that doesn't get it done. No. And so then you look at what Siwoo did. I, I did write something that I thought was fascinating. So Siwoo hits driver off the deck from two hundred eighty-eight yards on eleven. In mm-hmm. you know us being in the media center, we're going to all what is he doing? He's putting yeah. this on the line, water left the whole nine yards. Asked him about it afterwards. It's amazing. He actually felt more comfortable with the driver than he would have the three wood because yeah. he knew he could kind of squirt well, the driver I up mean, there. On the I, I don't want to turn this into a product podcast. Here we go, though. It, I know that's well, where you're going. Dr- driver has way more MOI than any three wood okay. does. Your thoughts on Tory Pines? I'll give you. So my, my my thoughts on Tory Pines are: this is where it starts to get really interesting to me because we've seen in the last year. I don't know if you guys have have you guys covered this on Golf Channel at all that Bryson's gotten bigger and he's hit the ball further. Has that been mentioned yet, or am I breaking this? Are you doing a third job now as a comedian? I, I'm Keep just going. trying. That's I'm just good. trying to help you out. But no. you know, you know, the the statistics, you know, really show that you're better off being 20 yards further and in the rough versus being 20 yards further back in the fairway. But we haven't seen that on Tory yet. So we have not. I, I do not recall last year, unless I mean, I was out there on Sunday. Um, I do not recall Leishman who won or Rom who was in contention, like just trying to overpower the golf course. I want to see if they try to overpower Tory Pines. Because forget the weather, if if they're committed to th- that on this golf course, that's where like the flag goes up for me. We're like, wow, we're 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 seeing something completely different. Because this is a golf course. I mean, I don't know the last time you were out there. I was out there probably about a month ago. Uh, yeah, a month ago we were out there playing it. Humble it's, brag, very good. It's really, really, really long and really, really hard, all over the place, and it's right in front of you. There's no mystery. There's no. There's not like one of these classic, you know, golf courses. I mean, people have argued architecturally it's not brilliant, but like, it's long and it's hard and it's right in front of your face. So I want to see these guys hit drivers all over the place and just say, I don't care from the rough at Tory. And if I see that this week, that'll be something to me where it's like, huh, I wonder how that player plays and performs. Well, and I'm writing this tomorrow, so so it's a cheap plug for me on that front. However, I I, I got to thinking about the idea, and we, we do love. Bryson is entertaining for a whole bunch yeah. of different reasons, and and certainly what he's doing, I don't. He doesn't fill Tiger's void, but he certainly could be the person that people are going to sit up and take. Yeah, he's interesting, of. exactly. However, I, I, and this is this is sort of the the gist of what the column is going to be. He, he's certainly a, a trailblazer. That, that is obvious. Yeah. Is he a trendsetter? Trendsetter? I don't think so. In in just a small sample of uh, let's say a dozen players that I talked to last week. If you ask them, did you spend the offseason looking at TrackMan numbers, thinking if I can just get to, I don't know, 180 mile an hour ball speed, my life is going to be perfect, which is a very, very veiled way of saying, are you trying to do what Bryson is doing? None of them do. Right. But I will say, you know, we had Dylan Fratelli in here this morning, and Dylan made the point that the difference from him going from 290 to 300, which is where his carry used to be before he went to the longer shafted driver. Now he's carrying it 315 to 320. His sort of theory is that a lot of golf architects, and, and it probably is backed up, um, they kind of stopped designing at 320. It's just kind of after the hazard's done at that point, and it's just to the green. And so when you start carrying that stuff, he said that he'd rather have a pitching wedge 50% of the time in the rough than an 8-iron in, in the fairway when he was hitting these 290 drives. I just would love to hit one like 260, so so let, let alone that. Okay. But you, you know what I'm saying? I, th- I really think it's, it's such a shift, and, and whether – they're going to do it the way Bryson did it, or they're going to do it the way that Dylan is doing it, or Phil with the longer driver shaft, or or a little less loft, or, or different things. I, I think it's kind of it's kind of interesting. You know, Xander. Um, you know, I think Brandel said it at Hawaii at Kapalua that that Xander's ball speed now is kind of where Bryson's was right before he started this whole process. I guess process is the right word to call it, but bulking up and and going for speed and longer driver shafts, less loft in the driver, and and. 
Randall's like, I don't see Xander doing that. And I don't, I tell you, I've asked Xander about it. He's not going to do that. Guys aren't going to do it. No. So, so I think it's kind of an anomaly more than it is. The other thing is, is, you know, not trying to rain on the parade, but how is this in three years from now? You know, are there injuries? Are there, there are there's going to be, effects? there's going to be a toll that, you know, yeah. whatever that is. And I'm not, you know, I, I was probably the one six years ago saying that, that Tom Brady, there was going to be a toll and that he was, yeah, I, I probably was that guy who, huh. who, and then now I'm falling on my sword as, yeah. as 87 year old Tom Brady's about to win another Super Bowl. Amazing. I, I'll just tell you as a Dolphins fan, it is so much more fun rooting for Tampa Bay Tom Brady than it was uh, rooting against uh, Would New England Would you trade Tom Brady. Tom Brady for Tua right now? I, I, I'm all in on Tua, but, uh, you know, we, we can talk later. The, the You're latest not one. going to answer the question. Of course <laughs> not. The, the latest one is that Aaron Rodgers is, is our next quarterback we're going to be trading to. Would you for. trade Tua for Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. I, I, none of this stuff's going to happen, so it doesn't matter. Deshaun you're, Watson. You're that dedicated of a fan. You're not going to. I'm going to support whatever. Two years the, of Aaron Rodgers, 10 years of Tua. Which would you rather have? I don't know. Just get, I just want one Super Bowl. How about that? Haven't had that in my lifetime. Yeah, that sounds just good. give me one. Special guest, Jeff Newbarth from Callaway Golf. Thank you so much for joining us. That'll do it for this week's edition. We'll see you next week. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.